Welcome back to the Women Who Wow podcast on Zebra's Your Edge channel. I'm Julie Johnson, and today I'm talking to a lawyer. Over the past several years, while I've been here at Zebra, I've interfaced with lawyers on all sorts of different types of projects and have really become interested in the aspect of what corporate lawyers do. I met with Carrie Plater, a vice president lawyer here at Zebra, and during my first deposition, and she held my hand throughout the process with humor and confidence, and I really enjoyed getting to know her and found her to be just a host of stories and knowledge, and just she does the type of career I never even knew was out there. Carrie spent years as a partner at a high-profile law firm, and one day she just decided it was time to leave and decided to join Zebra. And as I said, she's vice president of corporate counsel. I think she was shocked as I was that she made the move, but I'm really glad she did. Zebra is so fortunate to have her here. And she is very down to earth. She's scrappy. She's reasonable. She's knowledgeable. But she also can be a bulldog when she has to be. And I feel way better knowing that she's permanently here at Zebra. So Carrie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining. And you know, fill us in on what made you decided to leave uh, your L.A. law lifestyle and join Zebra's corporate law team. Well, Julie, thank you for having me. Um, and as you know, I was uh, a little bit shocked that anyone would want to have a lawyer on their podcast. So, you know, thanks for taking a, a risk with me. Um, uh, so, yeah, I have a sort of interesting backstory in terms of how I ended up at Zebra. Um, I did spend... 20 years in what we call big law. So those are the, you know, big global law firms. And I was a partner. Um, I was a commercial litigator with a, a products focus. And so that meant, you know, I was the lawyer that went into court for you. Zebra was one of my clients. I generally always had clients that, that made, I would call them in the most general sense, mechanical products. So I had to learn kind of the ins and outs of how, how mechanical products work. I was working on a very large product for Zebra. Um, this was back in like 2017 or so. And it was the head of litigation at the time. He is also the assistant um, general counsel. We're sitting at Zebra. I had been, you know, kind of regularly coming to headquarters on either a weekly or biweekly basis to work through this project. And I was working with Everybody, you know, every team you could think of from corporate comms to marketing to engineering to sales, you named it, they were involved in this. And so I really got to know a lot of people at Zebra during that time. And I'm sitting at headquarters in a conference room late one night, and he says, would you ever consider having my job? And I was like, wow, that was not the question I was expecting. And so I really hadn't considered that, really, very honestly. You know, you think about it, you spent 20 years in, in your career, you kind of think you know where you're going with that path. And and I had to give it some serious thought. He was succession planning, and that was, you know, a smart move to do. And so I looked at this this opportunity, and I, I will be very frank about why this was an opportunity I considered, um, Zebra was, and, you know, uh, just not sugarcoated. They were my favorite client. They were the, the best client to work with. Why were they the best client to work with? Mostly because they were like a partnership. 
as opposed to telling me what to do and ordering me around. They they wanted me to succeed as well as they wanted to succeed. And so I had this really great impression. I saw it not only in the legal department, but I saw it when I met with all the other people in the other disciplines. And it was really very obvious that this was a unique culture. So I said to myself, well, I don't think I'm going to get this opportunity again, and for sure not at this place. And I didn't want to try this elsewhere. So I said, well, let's give it a shot. And my firm was very supportive. They told me I could come back if I needed to. I fell flat on my face. But, you know, really the rest is history. I, I you know, hit, kind of hit the ground running and I have not looked back since. I've just really enjoyed this transition. It was a great risk and, and you know, multiple rewards in return. I'm just curious, though, like in, as you call it, big law, I always think of those jobs as you're in boardrooms and you're rushing to a courtroom and you have a fancy limo and hordes of lawyers working for you, working all night. Are there aspects of that life you miss? Oh, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were some things I, I missed. There's, um, there was a, a really distinct autonomy in that, in that type of work. You were kind of really in charge of like your own destiny. You had your team that you ran, you had your cases, and if you, you won or you lost, it was kind of on you in a, in a way when, you know, when you were like the head of that team, you were responsible sort of the eat what you kill world of get your clients, maintain your clients, get your clients to pay. Um, and so there was a lot of, you had a lot of control over, you know, where your destiny went to a certain extent. But there was also a super heavy duty grind that went with that, you know, personal control. Yeah. So and now that you're at Zebra, which, as we said, you know, we're super, super fortunate that you did make the move. Can you kind of educate us to a little bit more about, you know, how how is even corporate law organized? Are there certain different functions within law? What is, what is a career path in it? How does that work? It's um, I think it might vary company by company, to be honest. But in Zebra, we have it broken down. For example, like I'm the head of litigation. And I have all of uh, litigation globally as my remit. And we have corporate you know, true transactional corporate lawyers. And that's pretty heavy duty, usually in most, you know, larger companies or publicly um, held companies. And so we have a lot of lawyers in that that corporate department. They're the ones that write up your contracts and make sure your customer interactions are are papered properly. We at Zebra have a really robust IP group as well. Um, that's our intellectual property group. And we do a lot of stuff in-house, which is a bit unique. Um, to some other companies. We benefit from that, I think. I do personally work directly with uh, an arm of the IP group, which is the IP litigation and licensing. Um, so that's been really interesting and rewarding. And then we also have compliance. And my other hat that I wear, I have the environmental health and safety group, um, which is sort of a compliance-esque um, team that is within our legal department. And then we also have um, global trade compliance that's within our legal department okay so okay that makes sense but do you feel like for career growth do you kind of do you rise within your vertical or are people usually trying to get more breadth and you know spend so much time in litigation so much in compliance and so i'm just curious like what is yeah what is so um generally speaking i think 
Previously, or maybe in other companies, you would pick a vertical and you'd grow within that vertical. So you would expect to, if you joined as a corporate, you know, commercial lawyer, that you'd continue on that path and stay within that path. Or if you joined in, in litigation, that's the one path you would stay within. Here at Zebra, I think we're, we're kind of a lean team, but we also do kind of multidisciplinary approaches such that, you know, within the first year of my joining, I had taken over the Global Environmental Health and Safety Group. And so that was a new, new learn, new vertical, new task for me. And I've seen that continue on um, within the legal department. We've given assignments that are definitely cross-functional. And so our commercial lawyer is also our chief compliance lawyer now. And we, you know, and so I think there are different opportunities. There might be some that won't track across, but I think as you rise up and maybe you manage more skills and more areas, that is probably the only way you're going to keep going to the top rungs, such as, you know, our GC, Kristen Gogol. She knows all of these areas, right? And how does she know all of these areas? Because she had to kind of contribute to them at some point. Um, I think that raised you for the higher level positions. So what made you decide to be a lawyer, whether you're in big law or corporate law or whatever? I'm just curious, like, what kind of drew you to that as your focus for profession? Sure. So I came from a family that was pretty heavy on lawyers, to be honest. Um, We had three lawyers in my family, just, you know, my immediate family as I was growing up. And so I worked Summers in my dad's law firm. I really did like it, believe it or not, but I also was a little concerned. I was leaning towards law just because that's what a lot of people in my family did. I had the traditional, really useful undergrad double major of English and philosophy. And so that meant I was going to some kind of grad school if I wanted to be employed. Um, and then I did do something kind of unique. When I was a senior in college, my parents had me go to a consultant that did like a lot of career testing. And it, it measured your aptitude. It was very, you know, like those straightforward tests, multiple choice. You, you can't really be ambiguous on it. And my highest aptitude turned out to be law. Um, incidentally, it was also um, interior decorating, which is just not something that you would match up. But I figured I, I could do a little bit better job um, and maybe a little bit more career security uh, going into law. But I did, I did really, I did really think about it. I took a year off before, actually about a year and a half off before I went to law school. I went out to Colorado with a friend, and we kind of. You know, did some fun stuff, but again, I ended up working at a law firm while I was out in Boulder, Colorado. So, you know, I guess I was always going to be drawn back to it. What, what, what is it about law that gets you so excited? In my particular area, litigation, it really is win and lose. So if you kind of like that, like if you like that challenge, it's, there's not a lot of gray area. Yes, there's a little. I'm not going to say, you know, we don't all settle for, you know, some amount that's not what you want or is what you want, but, you know, we don't take everything to a win or loss. But there's some sort of the, a neat kind of definiteness of it. It's definitely very cerebral. You've got to be very quick on your feet. I like a, I like kind of that fast pace debate um, interaction that always had been something I kind of enjoyed and engaged in easily. But what else about it? I, I think that it's always intellectually stimulating to me because it's, it, you know, and what I 
did. I was always learning something new. Coming back, right? So you've done big law. You you had this great relationship with Zebra. You came back into corporate law, focusing on litigation. I guess what how how, is, how has your life changed? Would you say your stress has decreased? It's you know you're not so worried about oh my gosh I have to get so much billing. Is it more stressful because maybe you don't know how to find out you know topic areas? I'm just curious. Like mm-hmm. how how is the whole the work? How, how have you kind of jumped into that? So I would say it's different stresses, right? You definitely, I traded out different stresses and you hit it right on the head. When I was in big law, it was about, you know, all the financial and billable obligations and marketing and getting clients. And that can really keep you up at night, particularly like when it feels like you're in a solo sport. When you when I came into, you know, the corporate legal department, it, you traded it for a different stress. It's a team sport. And so you are responsible for holding up your part of the team and not letting down the team. You have to be, you know, a lot more aware of what you do impacting the whole. And so I think with, with, you know, Zebra in particular being a publicly traded company, that was something new for me to learn and get, get comfortable with as well. You know, there's SEC rules, there's compliance obligations. That just weren't part of my everyday life before. And those are like really serious and important things that you need to learn and be on top of. And so for me, maybe the initial stress was definitely getting my arms wrapped around all the new things that I never used to have to deal with. I'm kind of coming around that learning curve now, but but it's a trade off of stresses. Um, I will say this, you know, some people think, oh, you go in house, you're going to have a nine to five job. I do not have a nine to five job. I don't know that anyone in our legal department has a nine to five job and I definitely don't have a nine to five boss. So, you know, we all, we all are pretty hardworking and, and we do whatever it takes to, to get the job done and do it right. So no, I didn't, I didn't get less hours. People don't really understand. I know I didn't understand what corporate lawyers do every day to that point, um, especially here at Zebra. And I spent time with Kristen Kogel, our chief legal counsel, um, during uh, Zebra sales kickoff sessions um, in January. And she really has the most interesting and sometimes even hilarious stories of what her day-to-day job can be made up of, things we can't even imagine that someone would do or would have to work on. So I guess, Carrie, you were talking about how your days have changed. What would you say would be a typical day for you? It's not nine to five. We heard that. But like, do you have crazy projects? Is it new things coming in all the time? Is it project, project? Can you walk through that? So I will say this. I don't have a typical day. And I'll tell you why I don't have a typical typical day. It's because I have an insanely broad portfolio of things on my plate. You know, I start with, you know, the basics. I got litigation. Yes, that could be my nine to five job, right? And then I have the environmental health and safety group. That's, you know, that's all over the world. So I have to be available. I also work on the core team for our environmental social government governance ESG work. And that is something new that we're all learning and really diving into and getting better at. And then, of course, I'm, part of my team is the IP litigation and licensing. And then I give a little bit of advice on product safety as well. So in all honesty, like I could have one day where I'm literally sitting at a mediation all day, but I might be answering emails about all those other things while I'm sitting in the mediation waiting to talk. Or, you know, I'm like 
during COVID, I was drafting letters to allow people to travel from state to state while there were shutdowns. I mean, this is just like creating something out of nothing, basically. And you're like, fingers crossed, I hope this works. You know, and so there's it's just nothing, nothing's a typical day. I mean, an example today, I'm sitting in 3OP headquarters and someone stops by my office and says, hey, I have a safety issue. Um, I think the coffee cup lids don't fit the coffee cups in the cafe. And you can spill hot liquid. And I was like, oh, my God, of course, it's McDonald's all over again. And so, but believe it or not, like, okay, so you say, like, the ridiculous. It's not totally ridiculous, but that's an example, you know. And that's, I've had other ones where it's like, how come the exit signs don't all look the same throughout the building? I'm like, I'll have to ask about that. We have a landlord. But so... Yeah, it's 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 all over the place. But that's what's kind of interesting and makes it really fun because it's just like, okay, what's the next crazy thing I'll get? You know, we have a bit of we call it a gallows humor and legal. There's always kind of something to have fun with. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) You know, you mentioned ESG and that's something even for me as a product person, you know, I'm getting bombarded, you know, with various requests on ESG for customers and RFPs, that type of thing. And, you know, we're realizing that companies have to prioritize ESG if they want to be competitive. And as in some cases, you can't even respond to an RFP if you don't have an ESG strategy. So I just I'm I'm curious, you know, how have all these expectations from outside influence your role and responsibilities in terms of ESG? and, And how are you maneuvering that course? So I agree with you. ESG is the future and we're, we are all wedded to it from here to eternity because it's not going away. It is important to our customers, our suppliers, our investors and our employees, right? So it is just, it's in the framework of every company now. So we at Zebra, you know, we're, we're, we're not like an environmentally heavy impacting company. And so that, those were the companies that sort of had to tackle ESG very early on. I actually probably ran into ESG the first, uh, you know, when we were kind of starting our journey because of having the environmental health and safety group um, under me. We needed to have reportable um, environmental metrics. And to be reportable, it has to be auditable. You know, you have to have the full audit trail on your numbers. And Zebra as a company, we didn't use that information for any business-related purpose, so it wasn't auditable. And so we had to take on the idea of we have to implement, you know, a data metrics tool that gives us auditable and reliable environmental information as just the beginning baseline to entering the ESG world because everybody has to do that. And so we did that back in like 2019, 2020, we launched this tool. We, you know, have been running it since and it's been really great, reliable. We pass all the external audits on our, our data. And so I'm really happy and proud of that step we took. But that's like you know, data and getting data right sounds hard, but it's actually a lot easier than some of the bigger ones like governance and ethics and inclusion and diversity. And those are those are the things that are entrenched pillars for Zebra. But it's about how do we convey that we have these entrenched pillars to the public? Because in the world of ESG, if it's not publicly out there, nobody's giving you credit for it. So right now we're really working on you now how do we how do we put this in a tangible form in our reports? How do we continually continuously cultivate all of these sort of more amorphous um, aspects of ESG that are really important in terms of just attracting talent and investors 
and just keeping our general public, our, our employee public happy because they want to know that, you know, we take these things seriously. Okay, so Carrie, I know you preach the importance of balance and work-life balance, but you've also noted you do not have a nine-to-five job. I'm just curious, you know, what is it? T- tell me your the secret to your success. What do you do to maintain that balance, and how does that all fit into your your not nine-to-five job? So I think. And this is something that as you get older and more advanced in your career, you get more comfortable with. But I've learned to set certain firm boundaries in my, let's say, a long day. You know, I'll I'll carve out a set time where I know I'm going to go and work out. Or maybe I'm working from home and I'm going to actually do the grocery shopping for an hour instead of having lunch, you know. And there's certain things that will help me balance, you know, the the work. I think I might have to do over the weekend. And so for me, it's been about time management and you have to be committed to like, this is where it fits in my schedule because otherwise it'll, your day will always spin away. There will always be something to fill that hour that you didn't carve out. And then you'll find that you're like this cranky mess of a person because you, you didn't have a release valve for your stress. For me, that would be going to exercise, right? Um, maybe for someone else, it is something else, but you do have to do that. You have to keep your mind, body, and check to be effective at work. It just that's one thing I firmly, firmly believe in. And so I've I've tried to practice what I preach. Um, I try to tell my my team to take take time out when I know we're having really stressful times because all of a sudden you realize someone hasn't taken a PTO for you know months, and you say, well, you've got you've got to take time off. You got to get out of here. I think everybody needs a break to recharge to keep going and being vital. I understand. Obviously, working out is important to you, and that's something you make time for. Understand you have another secret skill. Do you want to tell us all about that? So, I I mean, I call it our hidden talent. So we do something in legal where you do the five questions, and we ask, like, you know, five things you like, and then we add it on the six, which is what's your hidden talent? And so when I was asked this back when I, I first started here, I said my hidden talent was baking and decorating cakes. I also do other things like flower arrangements. And so those that, I guess, is exercising my creative side. You know, I don't get to use a whole lot of creativity in my line of work. And so I find it, like, stress-reducing in and of itself. So when we're talking about that balance, and I think I get some serious joy out of just, like, the beauty of certain things. You know, like to be able just to look at something that you made that was pretty. So maybe that's another stress reliever for me. So, Carrie, you you kind of touched upon this when you talked about when you were in big law, you know, where you, this whole client customer service, that was like a, a huge part of your job. But even when coming here, there's all these different functions that you're talking to that essentially you're they're they're your customer as well in some respects. So no matter what function you are, you seem like you're everyone's accountable to someone. So I'm just curious, do you have any tips on what you've done or feel is the best way to kind of keep clients and customers happy. Um, this is, you know, I worked with you on contentious issues in the past. That's kind of how you and I met. And uh, it was really impressive how even when people were getting upset, you just kind of slid right through like butter and just kept things moving. But I'm just curious overall, what, what sort of your thoughts here? So I am, I'm a hundred percent with you that, we're all in the client service business. Our, you know, lawyers are everybody who works um, in our in-house legal team. We, our clients are the entire company. So, you know, for me, 
It could be finance. It could be engineering. It could be marketing. It could be sales. It could be, you know, product management. You name it. So those are my clients and what they're, they're coming to me for prompt and actionable advice. That those are like, if I had to put it in a nutshell, that's what I need to do to be a good client service provider. I have to be able to give you prompt and actionable advice. And that means you you get the response within the time period you need it and you know how to execute on it. Because that's a little bit of the difference that I think has been taught to me or I have been have perceived since making the switch. When you're outside counsel to a company, you get to just sort of provide the the advice and the, the legal department has to do with it what it must right? They're the ones that figure out how to implement and, and make it happen. When you're in-house and, and your your clients are your company, you, you're holding their hand the whole way. You know, you have to make sure that, that, that they're on board and that you haven't, you know, told them to do something as opposed to worked with them to find a solution. There's a big difference. Like, you don't want to be in the no department, right? That some people look at legal and it's like, oh, legal just tells us no. I have never looked at my job like that. I think I'm in the department of, of how do we figure this out to balance all the competing needs here? Because it's usually that. It's about balancing all the competition in, in a problem. Yeah, I honestly, there were two two quotes you, you just said that I'm going to take away. You need to be in the prompt and actionable advice business and don't be in the no department. And I think um, people, no matter what, what function you're in, those probably are two really good points to take home. Along with your desire not to be in the no department, one of your areas of expertise, Carrie, really is how you navigate in sort of some of these kind of conflict-ridden issues that you get involved with because of your job and are able to get resolution quickly. And I think that's just an amazing skill that I've, I've observed you with. And I'm just curious, what is your secret to that? How do you do that? So I think you're correct. I think I'm in a highly charged environment in a lot of the work that I have to do. And, and you know, when you're in those situations, you know, people can be amped up and you do have to keep your head, right? I, I don't have the luxury of losing it. And it's not really in my nature. But I need to be a consistent voice of reason. So what I've, I've chosen to do is I, I, I choose to learn as much as I can about a problem before I speak about it. So that's where I go to the subject matter experts within Zebra Say as I'm learning about something. Then, you know, you get into the, the group dynamic and we make a lot of our decisions by group dynamic. And you have to be very perceptive and able to read people in these environments so that you don't overstep in what you say or underreact to their needs. It is a, it's a delicate balance and, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a counseling job in that sense. I truly am a counselor, but you, you've got to know how to read people. It's a very, um, it, it, it's an inexact kind of skill, but it's something I think I was born with. I, I do know that. Like I can read people in a room and kind of know how I, I should be guiding this room. And I try to rely on those instincts um, to diffuse maybe intense situations. Well, that's definitely a skill of yours, but I, I have to laugh because if that's what it takes to be a good lawyer, apparently uh, interior designers need that as well, which 
kind of an interesting topic. I think they probably do. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Carrie, now would love to learn just a little bit more about you outside of work, your life as a mom, and uh, sort of how you look at life with your family. Okay. So I actually come from a large family. I'm the youngest of five kids. I have two boys of my own. And I consider those to be sort of my my biggest responsibility. I know we're here to talk about my job, but I think that that's something that is I take on very seriously as my biggest responsibility. So in talking kind of as a mom, as a role model, obviously you do that every day of your life. What kind of um, advice would you give to young people, you know, looking at careers and why why should they look as law as a great, a great rewarding career? Well, I think my overall career advice, and this could go to any, any career discipline is, you know, your word and your reputation is everything. That is, was particularly always true for me as a lawyer because we have all these ethics standards and things and such that we have to live up to, but, but I think it holds true across every, every career. If you're respected, and believed and you and people have confidence in your reputation it will treat you well and send you far now why would i encourage people into the legal career that i have or or around the legal industry i think you know maybe we circle back to you know what did it what drew me here i liked the the intellectual engagement the sort of constant challenge the problem solving and if you really want to dive in like I'm doing now in a corporate legal department, you get that singular client, that company that you get to put all of your focus on and you really can cultivate, you know, some rewarding and lasting results. So I, I've always enjoyed the legal career. It keeps my mind sharp. I like that I interact with a lot of different types of people and I learn a lot every single day. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Again, what am I taking away? I'm taking away reading the room, the value of reading the room, the value of prompt and actionable advice, and trying not to be in the no department. So uh, those are all good takeaways for me personally, so thank you so much. Again, I just want to thank everyone who joined. Definitely, it's very inspiring for me to hear about these amazing women that I'm fortunate enough to work with. So until the next quarter, when I hope you all tune in, thank you again. This is Julie Johnson.